North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in-store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusion supplies. See stores for details. You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. Hello, welcome back to Dr. Low Radio. I'm Dr. Lauren Noel, your host. So great to have you back for another show. And tonight is a topic I'm really excited about because so many people have requested this topic. I get so many questions about this. How can I poop better? I'm so constipated. And a lot of people don't even know they're constipated. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty tonight all about how to have a healthy poop, what to do if you're not going consistently, why you want to go consistently, because it's super important that you are, and lots of different solutions from a natural perspective. So there's so much that can be done to help with this. If you personally deal with constipation, if you know anyone who does, this is going to be a major gem to help get to the root of the issue and give some real effective solutions. So if you love the show, you've been getting some value out of it, thank you guys so much for leaving reviews. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes, leave me a five-star review, leave a comment. And also if you're an Android user, Stitcher is the place for you. And thank you guys for the, the support. It means a lot and it really helps the ratings and let more and more people know about the show. If you guys are new to the show, welcome. You can learn more about me over at shinenaturalmedicine.com. That's a little more about my practice. And then also for all of you guys who want a little freebie, I wrote a small little book called Wired But Tired. And it just gives some insights into how to have energy throughout the day, how to set up your day to where it actually gives you energy rather than depletes you. And I also give some tips of what I do to help maintain my energy from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep. So so I've learned this stuff the hard way. So I really feel very passionate about giving you things that have worked for me to really support you in feeling the best so that you can do what it is in your life that matters to you. That's what it's all about. So you can get that over at drlaurennoel.com. That's D-R-L-A-U-R-E-N-N-O-E-L.com. And you'll get it right into your inbox. All right. With all that said, let's jump into the show talking all about constipation. I am so excited about our topic tonight. As you guys know, I love talking about poop. I love talking about anything digestion related and have an awesome guest on the show tonight to talk about a very uh, common issue and that's constipation specifically. So instead of doing just general digestive stuff, we wanted to really just kind of zone in on this one particular issue that so many people are dealing with. So very excited about the show tonight. So my guest is Dr. Megan Taylor, and she is originally from Seattle, Washington. She discovered a natural discovered natural medicine during a previous career in environmental planning and went on to receive her degree in naturopathic medicine from the National College of Natural Medicine, which is actually where I went to school as well. And during her time as a student and resident, she had the good fortune of being mentored by Dr. Steven Sandberg Lewis, who also was one of my mentors as well. And he'll be coming on the show 
Um, in the next few weeks or months, hopefully, we'll get him on. And she also was mentored by Dr. Allison Seebecker, which we've had her on the show, I think, three times. So um, amazing leaders in the fields of functional and naturopathic gastroenterology and also SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Dr. Taylor is currently completing a second-year residency with Dr. Sandberg Lewis at Eight Hearts Health and Wellness in Portland, Oregon where she sees children and adults with digestive issues, autoimmune disease, and allergies. And you can learn more about her at megantaylornd.com or 8hearts.org. Dr. Taylor, so good to have you. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Thank you, Dr. Noel. I really appreciate the opportunity. Of course. And you'd mentioned when, before we started recording that you used to listen to the show when you first started school. Yeah, I did. It was a great introduction for me about sort of the common health issues that people are really interested in hearing about, what I should pay attention to. And I was a health connoisseur, if you can say that, yeah. um, about the time that I started, just really interested in natural medicine. So it was a great introduction for me and kind of kept me inspired through some of those harder basic science years. Right. Oh my gosh. The first two years of school, it's so, so, uh, yeah, it's intense. Yeah. <laughs> so anything that can give you inspiration is, is what it's all about. That's kind of cool. Thanks for listening to the show. It means a lot. So, so great. Yeah. And so why digestive health? Why are you interested in this? Did you have your own issues with that? And we, we like to get personal, as you know, on the show. Yeah, so what, what brought yeah. you into this world? Yeah. And, you know, I feel like so many of our stories are so personal. I got into natural, natural medicine in part because of my own health concerns and that of my family. I come from a family with a lot of autoimmune issues and digestive issues. And so I'd always been really interested in it. I'd done a lot on my own around diet, tried kind of anything and everything, did a lot of my own research, um, but didn't really know naturopathic medicine really existed until I had sort of my own health crisis um, during my previous career, was introduced and just was like, what is this? This is amazing. <laughs> this is exactly what I want to do. I just didn't even know it was a field. Yeah. Um, and I ended up, it was kind of a, it was interesting timing. I don't think I really quite realized how significant my digestive issues were, how much they were contributing to what I had going on, which was um, some autoimmune disease um, that had shown up and sort of discovered that, decided to dive into going to school because I had found this career, this field that was so inspiring and was going through the program. And I think as maybe all of us who go through the program end up doing the you know, think we have everything that we uh -huh. learn about. <laughs> and um, I think just sort of fortuitous timing, I happened to come into NCNM right when um, sort of the discussion and research around small intestine bacterial overgrowth had really sort of exploded on the scene. And like you mentioned in your introduction, got to sort of get connected with Dr. Seebecker and Dr. Sandberg-Lewis, and they both um, mentored me from sort of a professional angle, but on a personal level, I was going through my own experience with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, really trying to figure out sort of what was under, what was the underlying cause for my digestive issues and really struggled with it, to be honest. It was a, it was a hard process and coming through sort of, I wouldn't say necessarily into the other side of it, but definitely coming through and having learned a lot, I avoided getting into GI, the GI world for a little while thinking, ah, you know, it's all personal and do I really want to do this? And ultimately finally was like, nope, this is what I want to do. I so can relate to folks who've gone through a lot around um, digestive health and I just love it now. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite thing to do. And so I'm so grateful. <laughs> I get to go into work every day and just work with people on their, on their gut. 
That's wonderful. Well, one of the beauties of focusing and specializing in the gut is that you're treating everything by doing that. It doesn't matter if someone comes in with acne or if they come in with shoulder pain, they come in with, you know, bladder infections, focusing on the gut and starting there is, is the biggest needle mover for all of those issues. Oh my gosh. It's huge. I was just working with somebody on Friday with depression and anxiety, and we really just focused on the gut for a lot of that visit. Just I know that's the foundation That's yeah. the foundation to her mental health. And so mm-hmm. it's a wonderful avenue. Oh, I love talking about the gut brain connection and that you know, 90% of the fibers that are in that vagus nerve go from the gut to the brain and that there's so much of a massive impact you can have on your brain by, by, you know, supporting a healthy digestive system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so diving into the topic of constipation a bit mm-hmm. more specifically, love that we're focusing on this and I have a lot of requests from people what about constipation? And, and, you know, and there are some people that are a little bit more prone to it than others. And let's just dive into it. So I used to, when I first started seeing patients as a new doctor, I used to say, do you get constipated? And most people would say no. And then I learned to change that to say, how often do you have a bowel movement? Because, you know, some people poop once a week and they think that's normal. And so what is healthy and what is abnormal? Yeah, it's such a good conversation. I think it was probably one of the first lectures I remember from Dr. Sandberg Lewis actually during school where exactly what you what you experience, people will say either report that they're not constipated um, when indeed they are or possibly think that they're constipated when maybe by conventional de- definitions they aren't. Mm-hmm. So conventionally, the definition of constipation is less than three bowel movements per week, three or less, which from a naturopathic standpoint, that's not quite what we're aiming for, right? And healthy bowel movements are really hopefully occurring daily. Mm-hmm. They're pretty easy to pass. They feel complete at the end of the bowel movement. Um, and they're generally, we we sort of, I don't know how familiar your patient or your um, listeners here might be, but one helpful tool to looking at um, whether or not you might be experiencing constipation, some people have you know, regular bowel movements, you know, have them once a day, but maybe they're hard or really small yeah. and not really actually com- completely evacuating the colon. So what a tool I use in my practice, I think nearly all naturopathic doctors might use it, is the Bristol stool chart. It's a great, mm-hmm. just picture you go online, I tell people, I'm showing you a picture of poop, but don't worry, it's just a cartoon. Uh-huh. Um, and we look at it and we see, you know, hopefully you're on about four of that scale, which is a be- which is sort of like a, to, to get a little graphic, kind of a complete sort of smooth log shape it's not pellets like bunny like bunny poop um and it's not really soft or watery just a big Um, submarine right yeah it's a big submarine so that's really what we're aiming for and we're really aiming for it to be sort of a very you know uneventful moment of every day where you're able to go you go you go easily you go quickly and it's not um something that causes a lot of consternation or or really any physical symptoms it should be sort of just a healthy normal part of your day. Yeah, definitely. Should be an enjoyable addition to your day. <laughs> exactly. And so many patients come in not. And and so we often will ask, you know, we ask, is it does it feel complete? You know, does it do, do you ever have to strain? That's a can be a great, you know, people might say, oh yeah, it feels complete. You know, it looks you know, right. There's no undigested food or blood, which we often will ask about. Um, but yeah, I do kind of have to strain to have it. And that we feel like is a sign of constipation. So there's lots of little hints when, when you're doing a thorough history taking that you can get at whether somebody might be experiencing constipation. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk about what are some things that can have this go awry. So if constipation is the case, you know, obviously hydration is key. So drinking enough water every day and what would be some other things why someone might be more constipated? Yeah, conven you know, sort of from a real back to basic standpoint, exactly. Water, adequate water intake is really important to hydrate the stool. We need a good amount of water in the stool to pass it easily. The other thing is fiber. A good high fiber diet, really aiming for that 30 grams a day of a mix of soluble and insoluble fibers. Those fibers not only help to bulk up the stool, but also help to attract water to the stool. And again, allow for easy and complete passage of the stool. So those are two things. I think physical activity often gets um, forgotten in terms of helping to optimize bowel movements. Mm -hmm. Physical activity, I, you know, people might be might experience this where they get up, they go out for a run or a walk, and oh, it's time to have a bowel movement. Well, that's actually something called a the um, orthocolic reflex that gets stimulated. Basically, when we get up and moving, especially first thing in the morning, we're actually, there's, there's a reflex in the body that stimulates the colon to contract, to have a bowel movement. Mm -hmm. And so regular physical activity and physical activity first thing in the morning can definitely support healthy bowel movements. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. And then I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask. So, um, you you mentioned fiber. I just want to go back to that real quick. So yeah. what would be some good sources for people on their diet to have some real good fiber sources to give some good poops? Yeah, great fiber sources are fruits and veggies. That's your, that's your go-to, um, especially to get that mix of soluble and insoluble fibers, really sticking with um, leafy greens, veg veggies that have um, – some of our more complex starches. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, it's kind of amazing because really anything and everything coming from the plant world is going to be really helpful. Some people, beans and whole grains can also be a really useful um, source of starch. And then added starches. Sometimes we talk about flaxseed, for example, as a great, or sorry, added fibers. Flaxseed is a great example of an added fiber that we often will incorporate into smoothies or sprinkled on salads, especially in its ground form. They can really help um, to get increased fiber in the diet. But it's really just getting that, you know, goal, whatever the goal at five to seven, seven to nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day can usually do the trick for getting enough fiber in. One of my favorite food sources for fiber are raspberries. Oh, but I Yeah, loaded with fiber. And then also cacao actually has some fiber in it, which I thought was really fascinating. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. Yes. I, I did some reading that sh there's a lot of – there's fiber in sort of every everything we can think of that's coming from the plant world. Mm -hmm. There's usually some fiber in it, except maybe for those more white foods. Yes. And so like there's really – there's not fiber in, in animal foods at all, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's not yeah. fiber in animal foods. So we really need plant foods, which is – you know why some of our patients who are on more restricted diets can kind of get in tr get in trouble around con constipation because the fiber can get restricted because mm -hmm. fiber can cause supplements in some of the or cause symptoms in some of those folks. So right, it's always right. something we're watching out for. So um, and I don't I don't want to focus that much on fiber, but I'm just curious. So for people yeah. who who have SIBO, we've talked about this a lot on the show. Are there any safe fiber sources that you guys recommend for patients? We we've been we talk a lot about fiber sources that are non-fermentable or very low fermentable. Mm -hmm. um, so things like cellulose, um, methylpropyl cellulose, a couple of those. They're more they're things that have been really refined and sort of broken down and are more are less likely to be um, problematic. Mm -hmm. That being said, we also know that people are very specific. It's very person specific or or overgrowth specific. Maybe we should say 
about which fibers are likely to tolerate. So sometimes we'll experiment. Sometimes we will experiment with flaxseed or we will experiment with chia or we will experiment with some of those um, seeds that can help increase um, the fiber content of meals. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just increasing vegetables for really restricted patients, um, making sure they are getting some veggies in um, and fruits that they can tolerate can be really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. Love it. So you talked about hydration, fiber, exercise. Mm -hmm. What are some other factors that can lead to constipation? I think the, the one that's sort of interesting and sort of on the, I don't know, it's been, it's been coming up a lot more in popular culture is position, how we position our bodies when we have bowel movements. Um, so if we think back sort of before the times of toilets, most of us were um, crouching sort of above the ground in a squatting position. Um, and that actual position, that position of getting our knees above our hips, especially in that, that kind of deep squat, helps to move a muscle kind of called the um, puborectalis muscle. It's part of our pelvic floor muscles. Um, kind of out of the way and allows the rectum, which is normally sort of kinked when we're standing, to straighten out and allows for easy passage of stool. And so I think position is off, was so overlooked for so long. And more recently, we've seen on, on in, you know, all over the, all over the web, um, things like squatty potties or Love it. go stools or things like that, that, we, that go around our toilets that get our knees right up above our hips, get us in that position and allow for sort of optimal sort of musculature sort of balance in, in the, um, around the rectum and anus to allow for easy passage of stool. Yeah, I am obsessed with my squatty potty. I use one at my house. I have one at the office. I wish I could take one with me everywhere, but that would be super creepy. They need like a, a purse a version. We do. We need a, a folded. Anyone listening who wants to make some easy money, go make a a portable squatty potty that is cute. Yeah, it has to be cute. It has to be something we can put in our purse. Because exactly. I would use that thing all the time. So, and it's huge. And I remember when it's, I it's, went to China, maybe 10 years ago, it was my first international trip, of course, I would go to China for my first trip out of the country, but <laughs> they had their toilets in the ground. I remember going into a bathroom and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There is literally a hole in the ground and this is what I'm supposed to poop in. But yeah. it makes perfect sense. It, it's designed like that for a reason. We're not designed to sit on toilets. They don't exist in nature. I've never seen a toilet tree or a toilet bush. Um, <laughs> so, it, and, and so the, the the way that we move our bodies now and in modern culture is we either stand or we're laying on a, you know, laying on a couch or we're sitting and we don't do that squatting thing like you mentioned. So it's about going back to the way that we're designed to move, we're designed to eat, we're designed to sleep. I mean, going back to the more of the natural elements and as much as we can in a world of technology is what it's about. So I love, I love the squatty potty idea. Yeah, me too. It's, it's huge. And I think that um, even in addition to having a stool that helps us get into that position, just allowing our bodies to kind of move to that into that position, kind of on a more allowing us, you know, getting more physical movement just generally. But yeah. like, you know, not many of us know how to squat anymore, and that's a really important movement in our bodies. Yes. Um, so improving that flexibility can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Love it. Cool. What else? What other factors with constipation for people? I think another big one is schedule. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us, um, you know. When, when people should poop throughout the day, you know, it's the kind of, it's a question that's, that I think ancient cultures have been attempting to answer for centuries. Um, there's a lot of thought, you know, in the Chinese medicine um, world, in Ayurveda, that the optimal time to have a bowel movement is really first thing in the morning before we've eaten, um, when we're kind of either in large intestine time or stomach time, depending on what, you know, what you're following. And that 
a lot of us, you know, we just, we wake up, our alarms go off and bam, we hit the ground running. We're off for our day and we don't really give our bodies time to do, to have that normal movement. So one of the things I often do with folks just when we're, when they come in and they're, they're, um, you know, have constipation as a concern and we're trying to work with that is to really think about an optimal routine, getting up in the morning, giving ourselves time to go sit on the toilet. I even have people who sit, you know, maybe even for 10 minutes if they haven't kind of had this regular routine, even if they don't go, their bodies are kind of getting into the schedule. Like, yep, this is the time. Mm-hmm. This is the time to go, um, you know, trying to do it in a way that like un- not distracted, not readings as so many of us do, not on our phones, like really giving our bodies time to relax and have that bowel movement. If we are in that go, 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 stressed, sympathetic, dominant kind of state, our bodies aren't going to have a bowel movement. Right. <laughs> They're not going to allow us to like fully evacuate. So mm-hmm. the sort of schedule is, is um, key for me. Um, and if somebody is like, no, but I always go, you know, I'm, I'm, it's nighttime for me. I don't try to, you know, move it. If, it. if it works for their body to go at a different time of day, that's great. But just having that schedule built in, yeah. allowing us to have the time. Totally. It may take a little bit of training your body that you're getting on that routine now. But I, I tell a lot of my patients when you wake up, have a big, huge glass of water, like like yeah. 20 ounces of water. Just give yourself that inner bath, as as our, my buddy Sean Stevenson says, and and then go on a walk. You know, I mean, get outside and just walk, even for for 10, 20 minutes, and mm-hmm. you probably come back and have a nice, beautiful, glorious BM. Yeah, because that's stimulating both those those orthocolic reflex we just talked about earlier, but also the gastrocolic reflex because it, that taking that glass of water on an empty stomach actually causes the stomach to distend, mm-hmm. to expand, and triggers that that gastrocolic reflex. It triggers the the colon to contract a bit. So mm-hmm. you're, it's the perfect routine. That's the perfect routine. Love it. <laughs> and we also know that stress in and of itself that just shuts digestion off. You just it just stops. So exactly. Yeah. And some people it, some people might be the Opposite. You know, some people who, when they get really stressed, they might have more bowel movements. They might right. tend more towards, you know, loose stool or diarrhea. But especially for our constipated patients, it can really be additive. To mm-hmm. It can really, mm-hmm. really make it hard for the colon to do what it's supposed to do. Now, let's talk about some of the physiological reasons why someone might have constipation. Mm-hmm. So, how does maybe the thyroid play into it? Oh my gosh, it's so important. It's so key. Thyroid hormone is needed for for sort of metabolic activities throughout the body. I'm sure you've had you've had many conversations about thyroid function and endocrine balance on your show. And one of them is for healthy nerve function. And how he- and healthy nerve function is needed for healthy colon contraction, health, healthy reflexes um, throughout the colon and rectum. And in hypothyroidism, one of the first questions we often ask people when we're screening for hypothyroidism is, are you constipated? Um, that poor innervation or, or um, you know, somehow reduced innervation to the colon can have a big impact and low thy- thyroid hormone can be a big risk factor there. So often what's suggested sort of first off when you're trying to explore someone's constipation is do some lab work. Do some blood work and see are are they either frankly hypothyroid or tending towards hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. It's that more functional sort of range that we we like to look in as naturopathic physicians and functional physicians. Um, and I think what the other piece and what can be overlooked in some is that some people you know already maybe diagnosed with hypothyroidism on medication, but maybe not adequately treated. 
maybe they're having conversion difficulties, not getting their, you know, they're get, they've got their synthroid on board, they've got, you know, good amounts of T4, maybe their TSH looks pretty good, but wow, they just don't have a lot of T3 mm -hmm. uh, because they're not converting. And so really optimizing thyroid function, and that means, you know, everything that we do to make sure that we're ha we have a good amount of thyroid hormone, active thyroid hormone present in the body. Mm-hmm. Yes, essential. And and make sure you're seeing a doctor who is doing the full battery Absolutely. of tests, you know, the, the full yeah. TSH, free T3, yeah. free T4, antibodies. We've we've done lots of shows on thyroid, so we can Yeah. yeah. We'll um we'll leave the yeah. links in the show notes for that for you guys listening. So um cool. What any other causes you can think of that are real common that you see? Yeah, so you know, one thing I always like to tell to tell people, especially if I'm just chatting with folks about constipation, you know, within the public, is it is really important, like you said, working with a doctor to figure out the root cause of con your constipation because constipation can be a sign, though not usually. Usually, it's more of a functional issue, but it can be a sign of more concerning issues, um, neurogenic diseases like MS or Parkinson's or diabetes itself. All of those can impact nerve function. Again, like lack of adequate thyroid hormone and can contribute to constipation. So I tell a lot of people, you know, if you if you have those conditions, um, that constipation is likely going to be a consequence, and we can work with that. Um, but also knowing it's you know not maybe not just diabetes. It might be sort of trending towards diabetes. It might be just blood sugar dysregulation, having impact on the nerve health. So I talk to people about that, you know, make sure we're, we're screening not only for hypothyroidism, but a lot of these other conditions. Mm -hmm. Drugs are huge, pharmaceuticals. Yes. Um, that's a huge cause of constipation. I think the one that we all are becoming more aware of are the use of opiates, um, mm -hmm. painkillers that can be quite addictive. And a lot of people have seen, you know, information like that in the in the um, press, but they can also contribute to constipation. In fact, they cause opiate-induced constipation, which is being considered an actual diagnosis now. Mm -hmm. um, so getting off of helping, be working with a practitioner to help wean someone off of opiates um, can be a huge help in that patient population. Mm -hmm. um, but other things like anticonvulsant drugs, um, certain antidepressants or tricyclic antidepressants that are used for all sorts of things can contribute to constipation. And I think the one that's most interesting that I often gets overlooked are antihistamines, mm, right, Benadryl, right. Claritin, Allegra. They all have actions in the gut that can actually slow motility and contribute to constipation. So I'm always careful in my workup. You know, I'm making sure to do my screening labs and making sure to check really thoroughly what medications they're taking, including over-the-counter drugs to make sure that we're um, kind of addressing any of those potential root causes. And when we kind of have looked through everything there, then we're left with sort of the functional pieces, the pieces that um, naturopaths do so well with yeah. uh, and treating are more of those functional conditions. Mm -hmm. And so that's when there could be some underlying maybe infections in the digestive tract potentially, right? Like maybe some bacterial overgrowth, like, like there is a specific type of SIBO that's associated with constipation. And we'll, yeah. we'll probably refer to the SIBO show for that. Um, and then there's also, you know, whether it's parasites or yeast overgrowth. So do you find that these things are associated with that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we often think about parasites being more associated with diarrhea. So that's sometimes less on my radar, but absolutely with, um, yeast overgrowth that can contribute. Um, I think one that's really interesting is, and it's not getting as much press. I think studies have shown that it's maybe in about 10% of folks who have constipation, 10 to 15 is something called dyssynergic defecation. 
which is a kind of a mouthful, but basically means that there's sort of an imbalance in the musculature um, of the pelvic floor, that when things should relax, they're not, they're contracting instead, and that that can really contribute to, be the cause of, or worsen constipation. And so that's one that I think is is can be overlooked, but should definitely be worked if somebody who doesn't respond so that a conventional laxative approach or increasing in their water and exercise, they do everything right, but they're still really struggling. I think that one should be kind of high on our differential for from the functional standpoint, because that's really about pelvic floor muscle imbalance. And the same kinds of treatments work um, that any pelvic floor issues, um, like physical therapy techniques, biofeedback, can kind of train the, those muscles to relax when they should. Mm-hmm. And so to recap, we've talked about hydration, we talked about fiber, exercise, the importance of body position, so squatting properly with your sexy squatty potty. We talked about <laughs> the effects of stress, also having time in your schedule to poop. If you don't have time to poop, yes. probably need to change your schedule up a little bit. Exactly. And, and looking more at the internal causes, so things like thyroid issues and maybe some neurological things. So mm-hmm. let's jump into what to do about it. That's the, yeah. the beauty of naturopathic doctors is we rock, we rock and poop. So how can we start to implement some of the other, other than obviously address the things we talked about, let's talk about maybe some herbal medicine, we can talk about maybe some supplements. So what are some things in our arsenal we have to really help to move things along smoother? Oh my gosh, we have so many tools, so many tools, and I love it. The thing that I typically start with are actually some more of our, what we would consider sort of low on the therapeutic order for the ND world, um, things that are going to be, that are going to stimulate the body's ability to have those bowel movements. So we talked about, you know, water, diet, physical activity, but other things like abdominal massage, whether that's self-massage or um, massage, like Maya abdominal massage, Chine Song, which is a type of Chinese um, abdominal massage, those kinds of things can really help to improve lymph flow, blood flow circulation to kind of help tone the colon and improve um, the ability to have bowel movements and improve constipation. I've seen patients benefit so much from abdominal massage also things like acupuncture, you know, kind of anywhere in the body, but in the abdomen as well as cupping or moxa, um, all those sort of Chinese medicine um, approaches can be really useful. Love it. And then hydrotherapy, really easy, is just doing some alternating hot and cold on the abdomen, like at the end of a shower. Not, not many people want to, you know, I talk to patients and trying to convince them to spray cold water on their abdomen at the end of a warm shower is a little hard, but sometimes that can be just the thing. I had a pediatric patient who was really struggling with constipation, and the thing that really got helped her was anytime she got into like a, it was one summer she discovered this, anytime she got into like a cold creek or lake, or some body of water, oh, she had to go. So we really shouldn't underestimate the power of these sort of um, supportive therapies to help tone the digestive system and really help adequate, to have adequate bowel movements. How cool is that that you can use something as simple as water to make yourself have a bowel movement? It's, you know, it's, it's free, or it's cheap, and it's pretty much as low as it can get in terms of side effects. So I love that. I know. I love, I love that too. The, ne- the next kind of on my list that I work with a lot with patients is homeopathy. I think homeopathic remedies, when placed really well, work phenomenally, especially with pediatric patients. Now, finding the right homeopathic remedy can be a little challenging, and it's great to work with a practitioner who knows homeopathy to do it, mm-hmm. but it's pretty amazing how much those can work. And again, they're stimulating that natural healing 
force. Um, so are use there any common remedies that you've used? Yeah, the one that I use a lot with kids that, that most that most people who've um, studied homeopathy are, comes right up on their list is calc carb, calcarea carbonica. Mm-hmm. It can work so well, especially in pediatric constipation. These kids are usually not really bothered by their constipation necessarily um, until maybe they have a bowel movement and it's really painful. Mm-hmm. Um, they might go several days without having a bowel movement. Um, they typically have that sort of you know, rounder face. They tend to get sweaty on their head when they sleep. Um, There's this whole host of uh, ways to sort of recognize these calc carb kiddos, but um, that's a really common one that I've used with kids. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What about any kind of herbal remedies? Yeah, I love using herbs. So when, when all these things that we talked about to optimize digestion don't work, I typically will talk about, um, bringing on some sort of herbs that help to support the digestive tract as a whole, help to increase hydrochloric acid production in the stomach, improve pancreatic enzyme output, improve bile flow from the gallbladder, because bile actually is a natural laxative um, and really helpful in, in having regular bowel movements. So I'll use herbs that are considered kind of in the class of either bitters or cholagogs or alteratives. Um, some of my favorites are rumex, um, burdock root, um, Mahonia, some of those in sort of a bitters tincture um, to be to ha- be had right right before the meal, maybe mm. ten to fifteen minutes before the meal to really stimulate digestion can be really helpful in constipation. So that's that's usually where I start. And and what I love about this is that it's it's bringing in a, a category of herbs that it's not very common in our culture. And for many cultures around the world, they have bitter foods as a staple in our diet. But as Americans, all we have is coffee. <laughs> and a lot of us are relying on coffee it's as just natural. Us, right. That's our laxative. Totally. Right? It's like the only thing is like we're, we're stress cases. We're go, go, go. We're not implementing any of these things you, you mentioned. And we're just relying yeah. on coffee to just force it to come out. Exactly. It's like, okay, something's obviously not working. But I yeah. like that the the one of the elements of coffee that I like is that it has that bitterness to it. Of course, we throw in cream and other things into it. So it maybe yeah. isn't as bitter, but <laughs> it, bitter, yeah. yeah. So bringing in some bitters into the diet is really powerful. So I love that. So you mentioned Rumex, burdock root, um, Mahonia. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, there's, there's so many others too. And what I also, if I have folks that are really into food, you know, I've got so many foodie patients in our, in our field. Um, we talk a lot about how to bring bitters into the diet that aren't, is it just a tincture? So things like adding bitter greens to a salad or eating bitter greens, especially in the spring and summer when they're so plentiful, mm-hmm. um, really trying to get those in maybe at the beginning of a meal to stimulate digestion, like more sort of non-American cultures tend to do um, a little bit more with more frequency. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, just off the top of my head. One of my favorite formulas is is actually called digestive bitters. It's from uh, Herb Farm. I love Herb Farm. Yeah, yeah that's Farm, a- farm with the pH. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Herb Farm digestive bitters and doing that right before your meal is is yeah. really amazing stuff. And it's it's such a great option to try instead of doing, you know, the proton pump inhibitors, the antacids, a lot of these medications that so much, so many of us are taking, um, for some of these digestive symptoms. So amazing what just a little help in that direction can do. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's very supportive rather than let's force things or let's just stop all the production of your stomach acid, which has lots of other side effects that we could talk a, a whole show on. I'm sure. Uh, yes. Um, you know, <laughs> so, okay. And then what about, what about some other things like maybe fermented foods or, yeah, yeah, I love probiotics are huge. Mm-hmm. So whether that comes in a fermented food form, you know, a lot of the patients I work with are pretty sensitive. So we have to start slow and low. So we usually will do um, 
fermented foods, um, sauerkrauts, kimchi, like real pickles, pickles that have been actually been fermented and aren't just vinegar pickles. Mm-hmm. Um, if people can tolerate dairy, you know, a healthy whole fat yogurt um, is fantastic, especially, you know, for more, our more sensitive patients, one that has been fermented for 24 hours can get rid of lactose that can be bothersome to some. Um, so probiotics are, are fantastic in either the food form or in a pill form. So some patients who can't get in for fermented foods every day, we do talk about um, supplementing with with probiotics and that probiotics conversation as a, as a pill can be also be a whole nother conversation. You know, you're really wanting to get one that is refrigerated, hopefully one that is, has live microorganisms tends to be, um, more effective. Um, though not always for some people that works just fine to buy something over the counter. Um, but definitely probiotics can be like the perfect fit for some people and really help to resolve their constipation. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what about some of the other things like maybe supplements? I know magnesium is a big one for a lot of people. Magnesium is huge. Yeah, I, and I use that probably the most in my practice in terms of a lack, if I was actually going to get to the point of needing to prescribe a laxative, magnesium is really it. I think most of us are really depleted in magnesium. Um, magnesium is what stabilizes sort of the main energy currency in our body. So it's really used up quickly, especially in our over busy, over stressed society. So magnesium is huge. Um, in order to have a more laxative effect, getting a product that has magnesium oxide or magnesium citrate, um, which are two chelates, seem to be more effective than something like magnesium glycinate, um, which is more absorbable. So it's depending on the effect you want. As a laxative, you really want that magnesium, a good amount of it, to stay in the colon because what it's going to do is it's going to attract water and then help to stimulate a bowel movement. That's what all laxatives do. They attract water in some form or another to help to um, increase the sort of the size of the volume of the bowel movement and help to stimulate a bowel movement. So Mm -hmm. magnesium is a staple I use because it's uh, unlike fibers, um, it's not necessarily going to, um, it doesn't aggravate people in the same way that fibers can. I love when I will prescribe magnesium for a patient to do at bedtime, mostly just to help with relaxing and with sleep yeah. and maybe muscle tension. And when they come in for their follow-up, it's you know I love when they say, um, "So is is something I'm taking helping me poop really good? Because all of a sudden I'm having these awesome bowel movements and I'm just yeah. just giggle." And it's like, yeah, it's probably the magnesium, and so it's a nice little side benefit. It's so fantastic. The, the help with sleep and relaxation is so huge. So we do that. I always tell people be be a little cautious because magnesium with calcium, which is what a lot of the the -the over-the-counter supplements are, it's not going to have as much of a laxative effect. Mm -hmm. So if you're going for that, make sure to get just the magnesium kind of on its own or or just without calcium. Yeah, yeah. Um, Are there any particular brands that you like? Like, do you like maybe Calm or any other ones that you recommend maybe for over-the-counter for people? I love – so – Calm I've struggled with a little bit in terms of getting people to get at, to be able to titrate the dose quite right to get um, a bowel movement. These are our patient, my patients that are a little bit more sensitive around bowel movements, so they do a little too much and whoa, it's too much. So yeah. I, you know, depending on where you're at, I say I, people can definitely try that one. I've had a really good luck with um, a pure pure encapsulations product. Um, it's just their magnesium citrate in capsules, 150 milligrams. Um, that one I really like. 
And I try to recommend that folks get them in capsules or powder and not tablet form. We know that a lot of the over-the-counter tablets, man, they just get right through our system sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, don't ever get, don't ever actually sort of break down and be and do what they're supposed to do. They come out whole on the other end. So capsules or powders um, tend to be my favorite. Awesome. And then yes. any other, I, I love that we started with the basics first. And, you know, yeah. it's like, it's not about, okay, let's load you up with, with magnesium. We, we have to start with the basics, right. obviously. But if for whatever reason, everyone's doing everything right and they've tried magnesium, what are some yeah. of the maybe bigger guns that we might use? Yeah, so some of the bigger guns, they're basically things that, there's a whole class um, that are called uh, irritant laxatives. So irritant laxative herbs, people might have seen them like Smooth Move Tea contains some of these irritant laxative herbs. The big ones are Cascara and Senna. Mm -hmm. Those are both more irritant laxatives. We typically try to reserve those for cases of not really necessarily chronic constipation, but let's say you go traveling and you're just one of those people when you travel, oh, everything stops. You're not going. Um, that can be a great opportunity to use some of these what we call irritant laxatives to help stimulate a bowel movement. They actually kind of irritate the walls of the colon, which help to increase water and increase contraction. Um, you know you've had too much if, they're, if they're, there's more spasming and it's uncomfortable. Abdominal pain can be a big, can be a adverse effect, um, but they can be really useful for things like that. Or let's say you go in for a dental procedure and you need to take Vicodin for a day or two. They can be a great thing to use along with that to help prevent constipation from those pain medications. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And then so, so I love that you mentioned too, this is not something you take every single day for years and years and years. It's used as something you need you know, here and there. And if you're having to rely on it, okay, let's look a little bit into this deeper and yeah. see why. Let's find the root cause because really that that's really what can be um there's usually always something, right? Yeah. You find something. So we, we should do that. We shouldn't have people feel like they have to be reliant on these kind of medications to have a bowel movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, are, are, same thing for this one. Are there any oh, any products, any particular brands you like over the counter for, for that? You know, I actually really like the Smooth Move Tea. Yeah. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty awesome. It works well for people. It, it you know, some people are like, oh, I don't like the taste, but most folks find it really tolerable. I don't think it has too high of a dose. Mm -hmm. So that's the one I tend to go for, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I, I have good results for, with patients with that too. So it's pretty much a Whole Foods, any health food store, you guys can can exactly. find that. Um, one of the things I love about naturopathic medicine and naturopathic doctors is that we're trained in, of course, the natural stuff, but also some of the conventional treatments. So what are some of the more, you know, bigger guns that someone maybe would have to use at some point when it comes to constipation from a conventional medicine standpoint? Yeah, so laxatives are really first line. Um, we talk about, a lot of folks might be familiar with something like Miralax, which is um, a polyethylene glycol formulation is an osmotic laxative similar to magnesium actually in its action in that it attracts water. So Miralax is a really commonly used one, um, often will be prescribed for cases of constipation sort of as a first line, see if it helps. Um, the next include, there's actually pharmaceuticals that actually use Senna, which is interesting. Um, they're named different things and packaged in different packages, um, but those are often, um, can also be used. The more the drugs that are coming on sort of the market more recently are definitely being used with more frequency. I see a lot of patients come in on medication called Linzess, 
And Linzess is a medication that actually stimulates secretion of water from the colon, sort of in, or from the um, walls of the colon into the stool. So instead of sort of drawing water in like those osmotic laxatives do, it helps to secrete water, stimulates those little ion transporters. And that one has shown to have really pretty good benefit um, for helping to form, a, to have a bowel movement um, in a more regular way. Again, those are all working on that water mechanism. How can we get more water into the stool? Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that I see most folks come in on. And then for those really, really challenging cases, we might see somebody on what's called a prokinetic, which you probably have talked about in your in your um, interviews uh, with Dr. Seebecker or others around small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Um, prokinetics are they're not acting on that water mechanism. They're instead acting to contract the musculature of the colon and actually cause contraction and to enforce a bowel movement. One of the ones that's gotten a lot of press that isn't FDA approved yet um, in the States, but is on its way is uh, Resilor or Procalipride. Mm-hmm. That's frequently used um, for cases of sort of chronic um, constipation. And, and in Canada and other places where it is used, it's, it's approved for uh, chronic idiopathic constipation, specifically in females. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm so <laughs> glad. I'm really glad to hear that that is um, hopefully going to be passing FDA because I've had patients definitely have to you know, look for it in ways that are not very convenient necessarily. So yes, exactly, exactly. So it's, it's, it's on its way. It's going to take probably a little while to get here, but it can be a really useful kind of sort of our, hopefully we are able to solve it before we need to go there. But there are some cases where that's really all the only type of the only type of um, treatment that patients can really experience relief with. So mm-hmm. Now, obviously, besides the joy of having a, a, a glorious bowel movement, is, is amazing, <laughs> but why is it so important that we're pooping regularly? I, I should have asked you this in the beginning, so why does it matter? <laughs> it's so important. So I think, I think it's probably overlooked in conventional medicine. I mean, definitely people are told in conventional medicine, you need to have bowel movements um, because they, it helps protect against things like diverticulosis or diverticulitis, which is really common in our society and our diets, uh, but chronic constipation can kind of contribute to the development of those conditions. Um, it can also cause hemorrhoids, really common, fissures, um, even rectal prolapse, which can be a really challenging condition and something hard to treat. And so there's a lot of reasons why it's from a, from a sort of just avoiding pathology um, perspective to have good bowel movements, um, but maybe from a more naturopathic standpoint. And it's funny, actually, the original quote, I think, is from Hippocrates that says, all disease begins in the gut or all disease begins in the colon. How is Hippocrates so amazing? Amazing? Like, <laughs> yeah. geez. So predictive, right? And it's so, I think for, and, and really that, that statement was taken by the sort of the forefathers and mothers of naturopathic medicine and really was, is foundational to, to naturopathic medicine in that we really feel like, you know, the colon is one of our primary eliminatory organs, right? It helps us eliminate so many things that accumulate in our bodies. When our liver is in the, you know, processes um, our own hormones or or exogenous hormones we're exposed to in the environment or um, chemicals or, 
you know, all of these things go through the liver, are processed, and one of the main ways to get rid of them is actually to get rid of them via the colon, get rid of them via the bowel movement. Mm-hmm. Um, kidneys mm-hmm. also super important, but the bowel, the the colon, and and getting healthy bowel movements every day are the one way we get rid of those things. We know that if we have stool that sits that isn't able to get out every day, and we're not adequately evacuating, we actually increase the risk that we're going to reabsorb some of those things that our body worked so hard to get rid of in the first place. So we talk a lot about really optimizing that to in in sort of a a, a prevention of, of anything you know possibly ha- of ha- happening from a health standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about hormone balance? How does this relate to helping to balance your hormones out? Oh my gosh, so important. Um, estrogens, um, like I, I mentioned, kind of hormones generally, they're processed through the liver in a in a in a, in a um, process called detoxification, phase one and phase two. I'm sure your 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 listeners are really familiar with detox. Um, hormones, just like kind of anything we're exposed to, are naturally produced. Like estrogens, for example, go through this process through the liver. Um, they get secre- kind of excreted into the colon. And they should head right out with the colon with adequate fiber present and everything. They should head right out um, of the colon. What can happen is if you have those estrogens linger a little too long in the colon, they can go under a process that's called deconjugation. It's actually the bacteria in the in the gut can actually do this. They deconjugate them, which allows them to be reabsorbed into the bloodstream. And now you have many more estrogens floating around in the bloodstream than you really should or that your body wants. And so it can really impact um, hormonal balance overall to have constipation or just to have sort of slow transit through um, the gastrointestinal tract. Mm-hmm. Man, it's so important. So many things. <laughs> so it's so important for so many things. Exactly. Yes. And the beauty, there's so much that you can do to have amazing digestion. And I love that so much juicy content in this show. Doc, any, any other thoughts, anything else we forgot to talk about that you think is important? before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. No, it it was really fun to talk. I think the only thing I would say is that if folks try these things and they don't work, see somebody. Figure out what's going on. What's what's the underlying cause? If you try fiber and it makes you work, or makes makes you worse, sorry, makes you more bloated or whatever, see somebody because that probably means there's something else going on. Um, And there's so much that naturopathic doctors, functional medicine practitioners, Chinese, you know, herbalists and Chinese practitioners, medicine practitioners can do to help. Um, so I really recommend that folks get the help they need yes. to support this really important process in their bodies. Absolutely. Doc, thank you so, so much for joining me. I know this is going to help thousands of people around the world with their digestive systems and they're going to be thinking of you when they have glorious bowel movements. So that's, <laughs> uh, that would be the highlight. Of- <laughs> <laughs> that's a doctor's dream, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, thanks for joining us and I'm looking forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.
North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.